Hi, everybody. Sound designer and son Andrew Bray here talking with your favorite podcast host, Barbara Bray. How's it going? Hi, Andrew. Oh, it's going well. I'm amazed that uh, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> hey, we're all trying to hang in here right now. It's a unique time. So I'm here talking with uh, my mom because I, uh, well, first off, you know, I love her. I think she's the coolest. And uh, I wanted to have a little chat Hi. before we go into our conversation. Oh, thank you, Andrew. It's just sometimes you need to reach out to family, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is a good time for that. And I'm glad that you uh, actually want to help me with all of this. It's my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> About Jennifer, one of the reasons why I was so excited to have her on my show is uh, one, she's uh, Hans Apple's wife, but the two of them are a real dynamo team. And I, you know, I, we, I actually did this conversation with her before the coronavirus got big. And I started thinking about how she's handling it. And she's just got the most wonderful attitude about how she's going to work with her kids. She does innovation. And I, I, it must be really tough for her and Hans, but I know I see them online and I'm just, they just both just touch my heart. I'm so glad you connect with these people that you do. And it's so important to, we're all allowed to have off days. And it's also great to see people and connect with people who are motivators, who are finding ways to stay motivated. So with that in mind, everybody, stay tuned for a great conversation with Barbara Bray and Jennifer Apple. Well, I had to have this next person on my show. It's Jennifer Apple. Hello, hello. <laughs> I have to say, I when I first had your husband on my show, I, I pronounced it wrong. It, it's spelled different than Apple. It is. It's spelled A-P-P-E-L, but we just say it Apple. I don't know. I married somebody that has a weird <laughs> name, I guess. I'm not sure. It's ger It's German, but I think they pronounce it in English. So I'm not sure. <laughs> I love it though. And now I know how I got to do it right. Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad you're here. And, and I'm going to, I, there's so much I can say about you. So let me just introduce you to my audience. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. So Jennifer has been teaching for 21 years. She's a teacher and a coach at Enterprise Middle School in West Richland, Washington. Well, that's not too far from me. That's I'm yeah, on the West Coast with you. Yeah, we're on the West Coast. At least we have the same time zone. We do, <laughs> which, which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've had some people say, oh, I can meet with you around seven in the morning on Eastern time. I got no way. No, no, no. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is perfect. Mm -hmm. So Jennifer helped launch a blog about school culture and she rolled out with, a, I guess you and Hans did this or did you do this? Roll out well, the student Well, both of us, yeah, together. It was a joint effort. Oh my gosh. It is so, I can't wait to tell people about this. It's a student-led leadership podcast. It's called The Award-Winning Culture. Oh, it is so amazing. It's, yeah, it's our, like a model for the whole country. It's, our kids are just amazing. It's all them. They they do it all. They're so cool. Yeah, they're really great. Uh, they are wonderful. And now you're part of the Teach Better Speakers Network and you're presenting all over. I don't even know how you, you and Hans are doing it together. I don't even know how you're doing it. <laughs> With everything yeah, else it's, a, you it's do. a little crazy that we're doing all this, but it's fun. 
Oh, so I'm welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you. Thanks so for having welcome. me. I'm so excited to get to see you again. This is fun. I know. Yes. Oh, yeah. We we got to um, we got a selfie together at the Aurora Institute. Uh, yeah, was, that was fun in Palm Springs. That was cool. That was a fun conference. I, I know. I know. So, look, okay, let's find out a little bit more about you. I always like to have my guests, you know, tell a little bit that maybe people don't know about, like your background. Yeah. Um, I, like you said, I've been a teacher for 21. This is my 21st year. Um, I've basically taught a little bit of everything. When I, when I was in college, I was an elementary ed major with a reading minor. And I said, I would never teach over third grade. Like big kids scared me. So I was all about like kindergarten, first, second grade, and I was going to teach the little kids. And then I graduated from college and I needed a job because my husband Hans was still getting his master's degree. And so I was like, I need a job. And I moved in next door to the middle school principal. And she said, hey, I've got a seventh grade math job. And I went, really? (laughs) And I took it. And I've basically been in middle school since. So I went down to elementary school for a couple years, but pretty much I've stayed in middle school, which is crazy to think about when I was 20, 21 years old that I would ever be in middle school, but I love it. Um, I love teaching middle school. I was a track coach, a basketball coach, a volleyball coach. Um, I taught college classes for about 10 years at local university. Um, I've taught every subject, I think, except science. So I've taught language Ah. arts, social studies, math, everything under the sun. So it's been really fun. It's a fun adventure. And it's always been at, well, other than when you went to elementary, but most of the time it's in middle school. Yeah, most of the time I've spent in middle school. And most of the time, honestly, Hans and I have been at the same school. So he got hired at the same school I was at when I first got hired. Um, And then other than like one year, we've been at the same school for all 20 years. So yeah, it's kind of ah. cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I was a middle school teacher. I just love that age. I know. It's a I tough do. age, but they're still like babies and they they need that. And and the idea that you can give them a voice, we're going to talk about that oh, yeah. in a little bit, but that is yeah. really cool. So they're fun. where is, where is um, West Richland? And do you live right there near your school? Or? Yeah, we live, what it's called is the Tri-Cities and it's three cities together. So it's Pasco, Kennewick, and Richland. And then West Richland is kind of a little small town off Richland. Um, And it's in like the southeast corner of Washington. So we're on the other side of the mountains from Seattle. So it's actually a desert over here, um, which most people, when they think of Washington, they think of rain. And we're actually kind of the opposite of that. (laughs) So right (laughs) now it's winter. So we get snow and everything else. And then in the summer, it's like 100 degrees and we have like, you know, the normal seasons here on this side. And we're actually kind of more like, um, we're a little bit more like Napa Valley. We have a bunch of vineyards and wineries all around us. Um, and ah. so that's kind of happened in the last, I've lived here my pretty much my entire life. And that's kind of happened in the last like 10 years. We've become kind of this wine area. So it's kind of crazy. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. because it's probably not as expensive as Napa, yeah. I bet you, it is. I bet I bet a lot of wineries want to go up there and Absolutely. I'm, I'm just curious is that bringing a lot of um new development and people from California yeah, going up there? Or? <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of people moving in. We were just looking um not that long ago when I I'm in West Richland where our school is actually located. Um my parents live 2 blocks from the school. 
Um, and they've lived in the same house since I was four months old. So for 42 years, they've lived in the same house. And they were actually the first house built on this hill. And now there's a Target. There's a walk. Like, there's everything. There was dirt roads when I was a kid. Like, I could ride my bike to my friend's farm, like, down. We'd ride bikes through the desert. And now oh there's, gosh. like, all this development. So there was probably maybe 100,000 people in all of Tri-Cities. And now it's, like, over 300,000 people. So yeah. it's kind of crazy. It's grown a lot over my like lifetime that I've lived here. So it's, yeah, it's kind of crazy how much, how many people are here. Did it impact the schools a lot too, right? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. We've had to build this, this school was built in 2005. Um, and hmm. then they just built another middle school about three years ago, just about a mile from here because everything is growing out in this area because there's land. And so people are building wow. houses and just, it keeps growing. It's crazy. Oh, because I didn't even know. I mean, I I actually did some work with Washington uh, through Olympia, through the DOE there. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I met some wonderful people from Kennewick. Oh, yeah. So that's yeah, why that's now I know where, where it is. is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really? actually I actually live in Kennewick, but I work in West Richland. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. So that's kind of cool because, uh, yeah, they were telling me how wonderful and I had to come up there, they said. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Beautiful. <laughs> so you mentioned when you were young, what was it like when you were a student? Yeah, um, I would say as a student, I was a I was a good student. You know, my dad was a, my principal when I was in elementary school, so he was actually the principal at the school I attended. Um, and my mom was my preschool teacher; like she helped at my preschool. Like my whole family's in education, and so when I was a kid, I loved going to school. But I would say I struggled. Um, I had a really mm-hmm. hard time with reading, so reading was my thing. And when I was about second grade. My teacher said, basically, like, told my parents, your daughter's not very smart. She doesn't know what she's doing. Like, she was, it wasn't very nice. I didn't have a very nice teacher. And she basically said, you know, she's not doing anything. She's not doing this. So they tested me for special ed because my parents were good parents. They were educators. And they thought, okay, we'll test our daughter and see what's going on. And I remember taking all these tests. And I just remember them saying, no, you're good. You need to take some other tests. And I didn't really understand what was happening. Um, And I remember taking these other tests and they had all these shapes on them. I had to move and do all these things. And I didn't, I didn't really, no one really told me kind of the results. I just stayed in my class and I kept going. I never got special services, anything. And I always struggled with reading. It was kind of always a difficulty for me. When I was in college and I was with my husband, Hans, And we were sitting there and my mom got a hold of my old records from when I was in elementary school. And Hans was a psych major, so he knew a lot about psychology and all these things. And he found my test results from when I was in second grade. And apparently they had tested me for special ed, but I hadn't qualified because I had 156 IQ. And they had given me an IQ test. So what they did is they gave me a reading test. And then the other test I took was an IQ test. Well, like Einstein's like 154 IQ. So Hans is like, do you know what this means? And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) And he's like, you're brilliant. Like, you're really smart. And I always thought I was stupid. Um, And so I grew up like Mm. believing I was not very smart, you know, because I struggled with reading and come to find out I had dyslexia. Um, And so that's why I was struggling with reading. (sighs) But I had this super high IQ And so I couldn't, um, like, sound out words. I couldn't, um, I had a really hard time with phonics. Like, that did not work for me because of my dyslexia. So I memorized the English language. 
So when I came to a word I didn't know, I asked someone, what's this word? And they were like, that's cat. And I was like, okay. And then I just memorized it. So even now, when I come across a word I maybe don't know, I show it to Hans, my husband, and I go, what's this word? Or I, you know, use my Kindle and it tells me what the word is and then I memorize it. So I've basically like, I had to memorize the English language because I couldn't sound it out. I couldn't do other things. And so I, I struggled, you know, I struggled a lot in school. And I think that's part of the reason why I wanted to become a teacher because, and why I went into reading is I didn't want a kid to feel the way I did because come to find out I was actually really smart. I just learned differently than everyone else. You know what I mean? And so I think that's where it's like, and my parents were, were wonderful people and great educators and they just didn't know, you know, we didn't have the, the technology mm-hmm. and the resources like we do now that they had no idea. They're just like, well, she's really smart, but we don't want to tell her because we don't want her to like think she's smarter than other people, you know? And so they didn't really know what to do either. And so it was interesting for me to grow up kind of thinking that, you know what I mean? Well, you know, it's funny because I had similar, but then I I don't think my IQ is that (laughs) I know it's not, (laughs) but I had, they labeled Mm -hmm. me a poor reader, right? but never really tested me. I'm older than you. They didn't have all of that. They didn't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't do that. And the thing is, is that that label that they put on, right. I believed it. It sounds like you believed right. it too. Absolutely. And it's a shame that right. this is why we, we need to be careful of labels. And we also need to be Absolutely. honest with our kids. Right. I mean, let them know that. So you're struggling. Let's figure out some yeah. ways we can work on it. Wow. Right. That is some story. Right. So when you're reading now, you have ide- ways that you can... Adapt. Yeah. And, and I do. And I, I mean, obviously you, dyslexia isn't something you get over. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're, you're dyslexic your whole life. So, I mean, there are times when I'll, I'll type something in or I'll, I'll be calling someone on the phone and I'm typing in their number and I'll get some random person. I'm like, what did I, and I'll look at it and it looks like the right number to me. And then I have to show it to Hans and he goes, nope, remember you reversed the three and the one. I'm like, oh yeah, sorry. Yep, I did. Or I'll reverse my P's and my Q's still or, you know, nines or something. And and I do it in front of the kids and they, the nice thing is, is then I can talk to him about it. Yeah. And I'm like, you know, I have dyslexia. This happens, you know, especially when I'm tired, I'll say things backwards or, you know, something like that. And so they know I'm human just like them, you know, and it's okay to make mistakes and we learn from it and, it's okay not to be perfect. So I, I think it's helped me as a teacher, you know? Oh, I just, well, we all have something. I mean, right. if we could just show our vulnerabilities, I think kids are afraid to let anyone know they might have a problem. But if the teacher right. shares that, it's good modeling. Yeah. And and they realize, well, if that happens with them, then I can actually tell that I have yeah. this. I can talk oh, to them that- about it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Well, I never knew that. Yeah. And thank you for sharing. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of difficulties, and I was afraid to let people know. And I'm finding through my podcast, more and more people have issues like dyslexia and other issues, but they've never really told Absolutely. anyone. Um, right. Well, that's, this is probably, so this is your one of your reasons you want to become a teacher and a coach, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's why I'm a reading specialist. I have a master's in reading. Um, and so I work with students that have reading difficulties and we talk about it and I share my struggles and say, Hey, you know, this is what I saw when you're reading. Tell me about it. Like, what do you feel like? What, what happens when you're doing this? And, and I think a lot of the evaluation for reading is talking to kids, 
You know, I, I mean, I, uh. I think that's a lot of it is I get to know them. Like, what do you feel? What do you think when you do this? How does this happen for you? You know, and I think that a lot of times I can solve what what the mystery is of why they've struggled with reading for so long when I just talk to them and, and find out because they know they understand their reading better than anyone else. So they know what's happening and what's wrong and how to fix it. You know, they, they help come up with those solutions. You know, um, I, when you're talking like that, I, I always wonder how parents are afraid to, you know, they want the best for their kids and they might be reading to their kids or reading right. with their kids when they're younger, but they probably don't realize that the conversations about the reading is really important. Do you do that? Do you share that with the parents also? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I do an evaluation, like when I, as a reading specialist, I'll do an evaluation and then I'll share the results with the parents and we'll sit down and meet about it. And I'll say, Hey, you know, this is something I saw. This is another thing I saw. And, and a lot of things that come out too is like, maybe they have a problem with their eyesight. You know, a lot of times I talk Mm -hmm. to them about, they need to go to the eye doctor because they're having some issues with their vision. Um, there's a lot of them too, that anxiety comes up. You know, there a lot of what's happening with their reading is anxiety. You know, they don't want to read in front of the class. They don't, you know, they're they're worried about it. They're like me, where I had like, you know, almost anxiety attacks having to take a reading test because I'm like, I'm stupid. I can't do this, you know? And, and so I would get so nervous that I wouldn't do well. When, and in reality, I could have done fine, but I had so much anxiety about it. And so talking to the kids about what what's some strategies you can use because you're, ha- I mean, this is an anxious time for you because you don't think you can do it. And so then the anxiety comes out. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously having those conversations with the parents is extremely important. Yeah. Oh, well, even just saying what you're saying to me right now, I was so anxious in school because I was told I was stupid and I'd never, right. that I was afraid. I just became really shy and yeah compliant and I didn't even raise my hand. I, nobody knew me. And I decided right. that, look at me now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> look at you. You've got a podcast. You showed them, right? <laughs> well, it's, it's, I didn't realize who I was. Right. I don't, there's so many people that live a life of, um, I don't want to say desperation, but they just sit there living a life thinking that no one cares. Nobody really needs to know anything about me. Right. And I, I love the idea of trying to get their voice yeah. yeah, when they're younger, but middle school is a tough time. So I'm glad yeah. that you do that. Yeah. So um, your family is Hans yes. and Hans was on my podcast on episode 54. I have to say why we didn't get you in sooner. I just don't know why <laughs> until we talked, I'm, but I'm so glad. But um, I, know, I'm glad. I just, I just love the two of you. You're just amazing. Um, Thank you. You got to tell us. I think people need to know about this award-winning culture, this idea, and how all of that started. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. We um, a few years ago, like I said, a new middle school opened, um, not like about a mile from us, and our little tiny middle school, who was built for about seven hundred, eight hundred students, was up to twelve hundred students, and so we were huge. Um, and so we needed a change, and this new middle school was opening. So our population was going to change. It was going to shift. Um, we were going to have more free and reduced. We were going to have a smaller population. And so we just thought, you know, we need something different. And so we kind of changed our culture. We brought in Character Strong, which is an SEL program. 
um, which is great. And so we kind of brought that in. We brought in advisory. Um, I became the leadership teacher for sixth grade. So I was kind of doing a lot with like leadership students, just making a better culture for our school. And so we brought in all these cool factors that kind of made it into this environment where kids wanted to go to school and we all wanted to come to work, you know? And it got to that point, you can imagine with 1,200 middle schoolers, Utah middle school. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, can, it, it gets a little crazy with that many kids. I mean, they couldn't even get through the hallways. We had to have like, you know, different paths. I mean, it was, it was, it was crowded and it was, wow. people were not getting along because there were so many people. I mean, you know, there was 40 kids in my social studies class, sixth hour. Oh, no. I mean, it That's was just way it too was, many. Yeah, it was just crazy. And so we just thought, you know what, we need a change. We need something different. And honestly, this was this was my personality, it was all the stuff that comes with character strong, you know, all all of this award-winning culture stuff. It, it's always been who I was. I think I just forgot for a little while because I got so crazy busy and so many people around you. It's just trying to manage, you know. And so this came in and Hans and I just kind of said, you know, we need to be leaders in our school and we need to make this change. We started Character Strong. We started our award-winning culture podcast. And there's a whole bunch of things I can talk about. Um, but we basically started all these things. And the reason we got to award-winning culture is because we won kind of these national awards and state awards that all had to do with culture. Um, and so we, we won these different awards. And so that's how we came up with the name of award-winning culture because we had created this culture that everybody loved. And so it kind of won these different awards and things like that. So it was, it was pretty cool. So you got to stop for a minute and just tell me, I tell my audience, what did you change? What, what yeah. did you do to make it an award-winning culture? Right. And, and <laughs> that's a big question. There's a lot of things we did. Um, our three kind of pillars are character, excellence, and community. That's kind of like the three um, ideas we go off of. Um, and the three questions that come with them, character is, will you do the right thing? And so we really taught the kids, what does the right thing look like, right? And so I taught my leadership students, my advisory students, what does it look like to do the right thing? So if a student drops his binder in the hallway, what does that look like if you're doing the right thing? Do you step over it and keep walking? Do you laugh at him? Do you make fun of him? What do you do? Will you stop and you help him pick it up and you put his binder back together and you grab it up and you say, can I help you get to class? Can I, what else can I do for you? You know, those kinds of things, like asking that question, then giving them examples so they could practice it. Um, and they could actually see this is what it looks like. One of the things we do is we give this wildcat award is what we called it. And so it was like, it was a way for the kids to experience what it was like to give back to others, to see what it's like. So one of the people that we recognized was our custodian. And so we did this Wildcat Award for our custodian. We call it the Golden Broom because he was a custodian, right? And so we went into the commons and my kids came up with this whole thing. And we, it was during lunchtime, it was cafeteria. Sorry, we call our cafeteria the commons. And so we'd go, we went into the cafeteria while he was working and his job was to basically clean up after middle schoolers. You know, you, you were in middle school, you know what it's like when 250 <laughs> middle schoolers eat yeah. lunch. It's, it's crazy in there. Right. And it's kind and of loud mess and, and loud. And there's all these people and he is just working his butt off, like running around this, this cafeteria, cleaning up after people, sweeping, because we've got three lunches. So he's got to get ready so then the next group can come in. So my kids went down and they said, it's the, the Wildcat Award is basically serving others that serve us. So they said, well, we want to give them a break. We, do, we don't want them to have to work for one lunch. So my kids went down and 
they presented him with this award. They brought him up on a stage and they said, hey, we want you to take a break. They made him cookies. They got him this cool water he liked, you know, all these things. So they brought him and they said, we're going to do your job for half an hour. So they let him sit and it was so cute. He sat with our little life skills kids and he ate lunch with them and he just relaxed basically. And my kids did all his work. So they swept the floor, they cleaned the tables, they took out the garbage, like they did everything that that he usually does um, for this half an hour lunch. And then they, so they worked really hard. They did all these things. We came back to my room afterwards and we always do a debrief. And I said, so what do you guys think? Like, how did, how did this experience change you? And they're, they were sitting there, they're breathing heavy and they go, this is awful. I'm exhausted. And I was like, (laughs) it was hilarious. I mean, they're just like, it's like they ran a marathon or something. And they were like, I'm exhausted. Like that was so much work. And, and they were talking about it. And I said, I just want you guys to think for a second, like, don't say anything. Just think for a second about what you're saying. And I said, look around the room and really think about what you're saying. And there's, you know, 30 of us in the room and they go, oh my gosh, there was 30 of us doing the job of one person and we're exhausted. And it was like this light bulb moment of, oh my gosh, how hard does he work, right? Like there's so many things he does for us and he works, it's one person. He's sweating, he's like moving around. We're exhausted and there's 30 of us doing this job, right? And so now our kids every single day at lunch without us prompting, they clean the commons for him. They go in there, they help clean the tables, they sweep the floors. Kids are in there every single day at the end of lunch helping. The last 10 minutes, there's a whole group that come. He has like gloves set up. Like he has a whole station now set up for kids because so many kids help him. And they sweep the floor, they clean the tables. They just do, they help him do his job because they understand Mm. what it's like for him. You know what I'm saying? And so they have that experience of that. That's just an example of how the culture changed. They're now aware of everything happening around them that they want to help other people. Oh my goodness. Well, this is real empathy. Yeah. Because they lived it. You know how they say, put yourself in someone else's shoes. They did that. Yeah. Oh, that is cool. Isn't that cool? And that's, I mean, that's just like one example, but that's something that like, that that culture shift of making kids aware, like Mm -hmm. you're now aware of what's happening around you and you're going to change your behavior because of it. When a kid drops his binder, they're going to all stop and help. You know, there's like 10 people gathered around this one kid, you know, helping him pick up his binder. There's kids writing notes and putting them in each other's, you know, lockers. They're just, they're always there to kind of help each other out because they've experienced it. They've seen what it's like, you know? That is a, that, uh, Oh, you made me just kind of cry because I'm thinking <laughs> that would have been cool if I could have done that when long ago. Because I just remember right. some of the problems kids were having and right. if they could be aware of others. Yeah, yeah that is beautiful. Wow. Yeah. So is is that, how did it lead to the student-led podcast then? Yeah, so that, that's an interesting story. So we went to, um, right at the year after, or the year, I think it was the first year we had Character Strong, actually. Um, they do this service conference is what it's called. And it's over on the other side of the mountains. And they basically bring in all these cool like leadership experts and all these amazing people. And they bring them into this huge auditorium. And there's like, you know, 5,000 middle schoolers and high schoolers sitting around like listening to these people and experiencing like what they've gone through in life, right? And so our kids went and we took a small group because we, we didn't know what this was. So we took this small group of kids over and 
I remember at one point, um, Hans and I are sitting there together because we took the kids together and we're listening and there's this, um, this woman that's a Holocaust survivor and she's 90 years old. She's sitting in a little chair and we're, we're in a huge like stadium, right? And she's sitting on a chair just on the, this podium. She's kind of got broken English. Um, you can hardly hear her. You could hear a pin drop in this auditorium. These kids listening to her and her story. I mean, it was just an amazing story. And we thought, and Hans just turned to me and he goes, we need to bring this. Like, this needs to happen in our small town. Like, how can we get this to happen? And so that's where we came up with the idea of a podcast because we thought, okay, we we can't necessarily bring these people all here. So how can we bring them to our students without actually having to physically bring them? And so that's how we came up with the podcast. And we thought, okay, we're going to get these students together. And we kind of proposed to the students like, oh, that's awesome. We love that idea. And some of them, we had to explain what a podcast was. But once they, <laughs> they heard that, you know, they're middle schoolers. And once they heard that, they're like, oh my gosh, this is such a great idea. And so now our kids get to experience what it's like that it was at the service conference, except every week, you know, I mean, we're, we're doing almost a podcast a week with these kids. And so that's amazing. I know it's crazy. And so they get to talk to all of these amazing experts from around the world and hear what they've gone through. And, you know, one of, one of the questions we always ask is what is it like, um, your 13 year old self, like what advice would you give your 13 year old self? We, we ask our guests that a lot and the kids love the answers because they are 13 and they, they can see these adults that have gone through it, and then they're reflecting mm-hmm. back on, I would have told myself this. I would have done this, you know? And so it's really, really cool for these kids to see, like, these experts really reflect on, I wish I would have done this when I was 13, you know? And, and oh. they can experience that. It's really, it's really cool. Well, I've been listening to a few, but I love that question. Now you made me think about what I would do different. I I have a lot of things I would have done different. (laughs) Oh, this is so cool. I mean, to me, that I've listened to many of them. And I think one of them, one of the first ones was the police chief. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He came in. Yeah. That was really cool. Yeah. We've had experts from around the world, but we've also had people locally in our school. Our SRO officer was one of them that they interviewed to our police chief. Like we've had a lot of people locally. We just interviewed, um, a, one of a psychologist in the area and, um, she talked about trauma and things like that. Cause our kids really, they're like, I think people should know about mental health. And so they asked mm. us to find people to talk about it. And it was like, okay, that's really cool that a 13-year-old wants to talk about that. You know, it's wow. it's neat. That's actually big because yeah. it's such an issue right now. And a lot of, Absolutely. especially that age, they don't want yeah. to talk about that. Right. I know. That's, I, I got to listen to that one. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's yeah. really amazing. They've, they've had a few. We, we've had some guests on that, you know, have talked about some pretty serious issues and our kids are open. You know, it's, you remember what it was like to be in middle school. We, mm-hmm. we didn't like to talk about ourselves and we didn't want to put ourselves out there. And I'm really proud of these kids because they do, you know, they really talk about personal things and they talk about what school's like for them and what life is like for them. Um, and parents, I had a, a mom tell me, she goes, I have learned more about my daughter listening to that podcast because she <laughs> opens up so much and talks about all these things. She's like, it's so cool to like get that perspective you know, that you wouldn't normally get. It must be hard when they go to the high school. I mean, do they, yeah. is, I mean, they're doing so much in your middle school. Yeah. Are, are they, do you think that they'll start one there or do something? 
I think so. They've been talking about, we have had a couple kids go to the high school and they really want to start like a podcast there. They do do Character Strong. They do some of the programs. Um, one of our high schools, they have an amazing, they have amazing leadership teachers up there too. Um, and so I, I, a lot of the kids are like, we really want to start one and get one going. So I think in the near future, they'll, they'll have something happening at the high school too, because they, they're really enjoying it. Well, I think you've done, well, that podcast has done something. It's given them a voice. They yeah. become, they realize that they can advocate for themselves. Absolutely. They may find that if they don't do it in the school, they might do something else outside of school. Yeah. I mean, these oh, are absolutely. the kind of kids that are going to be the absolutely. leaders in the community. So absolutely. And I lo- I know that others have talked to, I mean, put out on Twitter and some of the other places that they're looking for ideas for student podcasts. And you're the first place yeah. I go. I sh- Go here and go check that out. <laughs> Thank so, you. Thank you. That's sweet. <laughs> is that one of the reasons why you and Hans are now part of the Teach Better um, speakers group? I mean, did they come to you or did you go? Yeah, I mean, that's so, amazing. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it's crazy. Just, you know, the last like six months has been a little crazy here. Um, yeah. So we actually presented at their conference. They had their first conference back in November. Um, and we applied to go speak and we thought no one's going to want us to come speak. Like we, you know, it's no big deal. And then they asked us to come and we were just honored to be able to speak at their conference. We had no idea. And so we went and presented at the conference and, you know, it seemed like people got something out of it. You know, they had a good time at our conference talking about award-winning culture just in general. Um, and then, you know, maybe within a month later, they called us and said, hey, would you be interested in, you know, being part of the speaker network and, you know, kind of being out there where other people can hear your message because we really think, you know, other people would benefit from creating this culture in their own school. And so that's kind of how it came about is they, we went to their conference and they liked us. And so they asked us to kind of be a part of it. So it was pretty cool. Well, what's cool is the two of you. <laughs> that's, I mean, Thank that's you. really cool. I mean, to have yeah. the both of you, because you come from different perspectives too. Right. I mean, yeah. that is amazing. So yeah. I'm really excited that you're doing yeah. that. It's pretty, it's pretty neat. Oh, that, and, and so we're going to be looking for you. Well, but uh, what I, we do is we put a post together so you, you know, we can kind of figure out how we're going to showcase yeah. some of the upcoming conferences. So this must have led to your new book series. I'm excited about that. Can you tell me a little bit <laughs> yeah. more what that's going to yeah, be? Yeah, this is, this is part of the crazy six months we've had here. Um, yeah, so Hans is actually, I, I know that you guys talked about, I think maybe he even mentioned it when he was on your podcast, that he was wanting to write a book. And he was wanting to to basically tell the world about our award-winning culture and like all these little things that you can do, like the Wildcat Award I was telling you about. Like, here's all the steps you can take to really make this culture, um, very specific steps. And so he kind of has been working on it the last couple of years. And he finished his manuscript and we kind of had an idea of, we want to write a couple more books. You know, we have some ideas that beyond the first book, you know, we couldn't, it would be a 500 page book if we put everything in there. So we thought, okay, let's write this first one kind of as the background and then let's write a couple more. And so we talked to a few publishers and we got a few offers from a few people, but Edu Gladiator, um, Marlena, who's amazing. She finally, she's like, you know, I, I believe in your vision. I really like what you're doing. And so Hans's book award, you know, basically the kind of the, the base of award-winning culture. Um, that's the first book and that's going to come out hopefully by the end of the school year. 
So we're hoping by like the end of May, that'll come out. Wow. Um, That's soon. I know. I know. It's a little (laughs) crazy. Yeah. So he's, he's been working on it for a long time. So he's got a lot. I mean, it's, it's pretty done. It just needs to go through the editing process. So that's pretty cool. Um, and then the second book I will write, um, which I've already started writing, um, and it'll kind of be the excellence piece of it where I talked about like character excellence community. So the excellence piece, and it's going to be about teaching. So it's going to be from kind of more the teacher's perspective, um, because he's a school counselor. That's kind of like the overall vision, his book. Mine's going to be more from specifically the teacher perspective and how as a teacher in your classroom, how can you create an award-winning culture? So what can you do specifically as a language arts teacher, as a science teacher, a math teacher, whatever it is, like what are some practical things? And then the last book is kind of community, and that's more talking about more um, culture globally, like how can you do this in a business? So how could you apply this to not just education, but to anything you do? Um, how can this culture be created anywhere? So it's kind of it's cool, yeah. Oh my goodness. This is, I mean, one book, but now three books and this, I can't wait. This is, and I love that you're writing, he's writing one, you're writing one. And then together, this is just perfect. And I love Marlena. She's just, this is just wonderful. Hey, this actually goes with my book because it's coming out. Yeah. (laughs) That's that's coming soon. Um, Yeah. I love it. So gosh, I learned a lot about you. Is there anything else that you want to share that I don't know? No, I, you know, I'm just glad that we got to talk. This is fun. I'm excited to to have some people listen to my story, I guess. It's kind of cool. Well, you're, you're very humble and, and you're like, when you said you got up and at the Teach Better conference and who would listen to you, you are a wonderful speaker, but you also have a great story and other people can relate to it. And you have a message and this experience with the culture, you know, building the culture in the community and, uh, and some of the examples, especially the one you gave of the golden broom, all of that. It's just, ah, you touched my heart. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank oh, you. Yeah. I, I appreciate you letting me share my story on your podcast. So it's it's um, cool. I love everything that you do. So I'm really excited. I'm excited for your book. I uh, think it's going to be amazing. <laughs> oh, you're, you're, and Hans even wrote a story. I wish I had had your story before, but maybe I'll have to write another book, right? Yeah. You'll have to write a third <laughs> one. And then, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for this yeah, beautiful thank you. story today. This was a, a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. This is Barbara Bray. Thank you for listening to the Rethinking Learning podcast and my conversation with Jennifer Apple. Make sure you check out the blog post that goes with the podcast about Jennifer that is on my Rethinking Learning website. And you'll find resources and more about her Innovation Center and the award-winning culture. You can subscribe to my website at barbarabray.net to receive announcements, updates, new podcasts, posts, and information with a guide and questions to go with my book to find your why. I'll also be sharing updates and resources to help people during the COVID crisis. Now we need each other more than ever, and our stories matter. Keep sharing your story. And please... Stay safe.
Like what's what's something that that is exciting about about some of the features in your book? Well, what was really cool is I started putting in a lot of quotes. And there was a whole section on vulnerability, fear, and I had shared something on a, um, several of my workshops was fear. Fear can have several meanings. And one yeah. is forget everything and run or face everything and rise. And mm. I love that. I love that one until someone said, what do you do? <laughs> and you're like, so you're basically like, do I rise every time? <laughs> I mean, I was, I remember one thing I did last year on stage, it, something didn't work out right. And I wish I could have yeah. run off the stage, <laughs> but it's better to stick with it and hang in yeah. there. So. Yeah. Well, that means a lot coming from you too, just because I, it's, it's, it's fun and also it's inspiring to, you know, have a mom who is facing a lot of her fears. One of my favorite things that I've gained is is watching you do your own hard work and instead of instead of trying to teach me a, a lesson, the best lessons that I've gotten from you were watching you take care of yourself and stand up to your own fears. And that's that's always been really important oh. to me. Yeah. Thank you. That's yeah. oh, Andrew. I didn't know we were going to go this deep. This is Oh, it's okay. I love you. You just touch me. I'm gonna think I'm gonna start crying. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's good. It's good. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry we're recording. I'm gonna keep that one. <laughs> <laughs>